0: It's not that our fish don't have enough to eat. It's that something is eating them, and it's and it's probably an unfamiliar predator.
1: Tonight on the KRBD Evening Report, a regional fish hatchery nonprofit says it has to make changes after poor runs. We recap highlights from recent city and borough meetings, and new research indicates the blob was good news for rockfish. Those stories and more coming up. But first, let's take a look at the weather. Tonight we've got rain likely with lows in the mid-40s and southeast winds to 15 miles an hour, gusting to around 30 miles an hour in Kassan. Thursday we've got widespread rain showers with highs around 50 and southeast winds to 10 miles an hour. Thursday night we've got more widespread rain showers with lows around 40 and south winds to 10 miles an hour. Friday we've got scattered rain showers with highs around 50 and light winds. In downtown Ketchikan and Thorn Bay you might see numerous rain showers. Friday night, more scattered rain showers with lows in the mid-30s and light winds. You're listening to the KRBD Evening Report. I'm your host, Eric Stone. A Ketchikan nonprofit operating regional fish hatchery says it needs to make some changes, which could include offering fewer salmon for commercial fishermen next year. As KRBD's Maria Dudzak reports, managers say warming conditions are impacting
2: the runs. During a recent Ketchikan Chamber of Commerce luncheon, Sarah's general manager David Landis emphasized Alaska's salmon hatcheries don't farm fish, like in Canada.
0: We don't raise these fish to when they're able to be harvested. We just raise them for as long as uh, they can uh, exist in, uh, on their own.
2: Rather, the Southern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association and others raise juvenile chum, king, and coho salmon let them go.
0: So they are, are released as soon as they're able to go out to sea, and this mimics nature.
2: Sarah has seven hatcheries and eight release sites from near Petersburg to the boundary with British Columbia. The goal is to have a quarter of the fish caught and sold for what it terms cost recovery to pay for Sarah's operations. The remaining three quarters are caught by commercial fishermen and sold to processors. Sarah also keeps brood stock for next year's runs. Most of the salmon it sells, Landis says, are chum from Neats Bay, north of town. But he says this year, most of the fish were retained for brood stock. The money fish weren't returning.
0: Our summer chum goal of $7 million, we got $100,000. Yeah. So we were the last to eat at the table um, with cost recovery because you've got to have brood stock, right, otherwise you can't continue the program.
2: Poor runs like these hit the nonprofit's bottom line. With a need for additional revenue, Sarah's board will be looking at options to get back on track. These may include reserving a larger percentage of the run for cost recovery, borrowing through a state loan program, or finding ways to reduce expenses. There are a lot of theories for the poor runs, but he says one thing is certain, climate change is altering the oceans.
0: We have marine conditions that are difficult and primarily it's because of predation. It's not that our fish don't have enough to eat, it's that something is eating them. And it's, and it's probably an unfamiliar predator that is uh, an invasive species basically caused by this warm marine environment.
2: Landis was asked about operations at the Deer Mountain Hatchery in Ketchikan. He says the facility is open during the summer for self-guided tours and school groups schedule tours other times of the year. He says the primary purpose of the hatchery is to produce 500,000 king salmon annually.
0: 100,000 are released into Ketchikan Creek, and so they swim down through Thomas Basin and out to the ocean and come back as adults. And then 400,000 we transport to Carroll Inlet, right there at the uh, Swan Lake hydro plant. Uh, we have net pens set up to uh, rear fish.
2: He says the fish are reared at the Swan Lake site for several months in the spring, and then released into the wild. At the end of their cycle, they return to Ketchikan Creek. In Ketchikan, I'm Maria Dudzak.
1: The city of Ketchikan is auctioning off the city's former downtown firehouse on Thursday. The 75-year-old Main Street structure was the fire department's headquarters until 2011. The bidding will start at the appraised value a little less than $340,000. The city council authorized the sale earlier this year. A consortium of investors has expressed interest in turning the fire station into a distillery. The auction is scheduled for noon Thursday in Ketchikan City Council Chambers. Registration starts at 11 a.m. Ketchikan's borough assembly unanimously approved a Knudsen Cove rezone at Monday's meeting. The rezone will allow the owners to open a wildlife tour and event hosting business on their waterfront property. The borough's planning commission had previously recommended against the rezone, saying an unrestricted commercial rezone was too open-ended. In response, the owners agreed to a set of restrictions limiting the property's uses. Borough assembly members cited the borough's future land use map along with what they saw as a long history of commercial activity at the property, despite the fact that it was zoned as a low-density residential parcel. The assembly also gave preliminary approval to a new set of zoning rules for gun ranges in the borough. The restrictions would limit outdoor ranges to parcels zoned heavy industrial and set guidelines for indoor ranges in commercial zones. The rules would also ban explosive targets, require liability insurance, and mandate that the range meet established safety standards. Gun ranges would be approved on a case-by-case basis. The borough's only current gun range predates the borough's land use code. The assembly is scheduled to consider whether to give final approval to the new gun range zoning rules at its November 4th meeting. The borough attorney also gave a presentation on ways to make it easier to collect sales tax on online purchases. That's an initiative in collaboration with other local governments and the Alaska Municipal League. The borough may consider joining the effort at its November 4th meeting. Ketchikan City officials will continue efforts to purchase the former Bar Harbor restaurant after the City Council approved funding for an appraisal and hazardous material testing last week. Together, those two items are estimated to cost $12,000, and the city expects results in about two months. If it purchases the property, the city would likely turn it into parking for the city-owned Bar Harbor Marina. It would nearly double the amount of parking spaces on the waterfront. In other business, the City Council approved a $17,000 study as part of a process to replace the city's main raw water line. The study will determine how large a temporary replacement line would need to be to serve residents during the two years it will take to replace the main line. The council also approved $245,000 in funding to repair a diesel generator and a generator at the Beaver Falls hydroelectric plant. City management also told the council that the city's raw water failed another fecal coliform test. You can read more about that on krbd.org. Alaska's unemployment rate has dipped slightly, but as Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, Southeast Alaska has had an increase in jobless claims as the state workforce continues to shrink.
0: Good day, Alaska. Just a short announcement on the economy.
3: Governor Mike Dunleavy took to social media Monday, sharing the news that the state's unemployment rate dropped by 0.6%.
0: Things are looking really great for our economy here in Alaska, and we'll continue to give you some good news as it unfolds, but things are looking really well for the state of Alaska.
3: But the state's Department of Labor noted that Alaska lost 400 state jobs in the past year. About a quarter of those were in southeast.
4: It was obviously hit harder than the state as a whole, just given the concentration of state government jobs that we have in this area, particularly in Juneau.
3: Karina Wiebold is the state's economist based in Juneau. While most parts of the state saw an uptick in jobs, the panhandle shed 300 of them. That's in contrast with Anchorage and mat regions, which added the most jobs. The fastest growth was in construction and oil and gas. But it's not all doom and gloom for Southeast. The visitor industry continues to drive jobs in the private sector. More than a million cruise ship passengers called in Southeast ports this year. That number is expected to climb in 2020.
4: Tourism, particularly cruise tourism, has a pretty strong effect in our summer employment. The last two years have been particularly strong with the cruise ship traffic, so that's a little bit of a bright spot for us.
3: Overall, Southeast Alaska's unemployment rate stands at 4.8%. That's still the lowest jobless rate in Alaska. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick.
1: The blob is the ominous nickname used by fishermen and marine biologists to describe warm ocean conditions that appeared in the North Pacific in 2014. It lingered for about two years, and the negative impacts on Alaska's marine ecosystem were widely reported. But for some species, it wasn't a bad thing. New research indicates that young rockfish were thriving during this period. KHNS's Henry Leisha reports.
5: Pacific rockfish were drastically overfished up and down the West Coast in the 20th century. In Alaska, most of the fleet wasn't local.
4: Our story up here is a little bit different than what the story is down in the West Coast.
5: That's Pete Holson. He assesses rockfish stocks in Alaska for NOAA fisheries.
4: Up here, the story is more like, you know, the Japanese fleets and Russian fleets just decimated, not just rockfish, but most of our... Uh, ground groundfish species.
5: Rockfish numbers have rebounded, thanks in part to careful management. Fisheries managers have slowly increased commercial catch limits, and although it is not the most valuable fish, rockfish now makes up a sizable amount of the trawl catches in Kodiak and the Western Gulf of Alaska. But Holson says it isn't just management practices that led to the rebound in the population.
4: I mean, of course, we'd love to like bat ourselves on the back, but I, I don't think we can say it's just that. I, I think there's definitely been some natural environmental things that have occurred that have um, just helped the population.
5: Oregon scientists are now investigating how the blob led to a banner year for juvenile rockfish. During the blob's final months in 2016, researchers at NOAA's Northwest Fisheries Science Center noticed dramatic changes in the ecosystem off the Oregon coast. Lori Whitecamp says that while she was conducting a survey of Chinook salmon, she was struck by the changes she was seeing in other marine species.
6: If you tow a net out in the ocean, uh, you catch a lot of other stuff besides salmon. And so it was really these other species that it was like, wow, that's really, really different.
5: Whitecamp says her net was getting clogged by all sorts of unusual creatures.
6: For example, one of the things we we started catching uh, are pyrosomes, these, what are they called, sea pickles, I guess.
5: She noticed high numbers of juvenile rockfish as well.
6: We just had this big bloom of those. And, and talking to researchers up and down the coast from California to British Columbia and up into Alaska even, other people were seeing the same event, the same recruitment event.
5: Camp and her colleagues recently published a paper on their findings. They suggest that a decline in jellyfish that eat juvenile rockfish helped their numbers. Holson says that while Alaska experienced the same spike in juvenile rockfish in two thousand sixteen, it's unclear if it had anything to do with other species.
4: I don't think we have a good understanding yet of like why rockfish seem to be doing well in these conditions and these other fish don't. You know, it seems to be coinciding with these warmer temperatures and what the mechanisms of that is, we don't really know uh yet, but at least kinda of points us in a direction that we can start asking more questions and, and doing a little bit
5: more research. Holson says at this point, the increase in juvenile rockfish hasn't had any impact on the way Alaska's fisheries are managed. Rockfish can live upwards of 100 years, and it takes a long time for them to grow to adulthood. So stock assessments focus more on adult rockfish populations. White Camp says that unprecedented ocean conditions make it difficult to make predictions about the future of commercial fisheries.
6: With these recent unusual conditions. There's winners and losers. You know, we're expecting predictable resources uh, that we've harvested for, you know, millennia in the case of a lot of, of people on the coast. Uh, and things are changing and in ways that we don't really understand. And some things are doing good and others not so much.
5: But if these rockfish numbers keep increasing, the fish might just be an unexpected winner. In Haynes, I'm Henry Leisha,
1: That's it for this edition of the KRBD Evening Report. You can get this show as a podcast on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can send us your news tips at news at krbd.org. Thanks so much for listening. I've been your host, Eric Stone.